Hello, I'm Jashan Karbanda. And I'm Ron Batu. Welcome to our podcast, Weekly Dose of High School, where we'll be guiding you through the life of a high school student while speaking to knowledgeable people in the industry. Welcome to our seventh episode. Today, we are here again with Aditya Prasad, an incoming freshman at Georgia Institute of Technology, where he will be studying computer science. In the previous episode, we heard Aditya talk about Georgia Tech admissions criteria and some essay tips and tricks. If you haven't checked out that episode, make sure to check out that one first. But in today's episode, Aditya will be talking about his overall experience in the college admission process and his passion for computer science. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. All right, Aditya. And now I'm going to ask you a specific question about CS. So like, I know you created this nonprofit. Um, you also did this internship at Meta and you did competitive programming such as used to go. So like for people who are unable to do like internships or maybe in competitive programming, what do you think are some other good computer science extracurriculars that will make them look unique and stand out? Yeah. So a lot of my friends did hackathons and other CS competitions but wasn't really too much of a thing I'm interested in. Um, the good thing about USICO is the barriers to entry are relatively lower. Um, all you need to do is have a computer at hand and, you know, have a basic under, understanding of data structures and algorithms um, to kind of progress through the different um, divisions in USICO. Um, so I also think it's one of the most quantifiable computer science extracurriculars. But again, it doesn't mean much until you like you reach the gold or platinum division, if you're familiar with what those are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that if you make interesting projects, um, build up your resume and um, kind of showcase that on your application. It not only shows your a skill in computer science, but also your um, creativity, um, your ability to notice problems in society that others haven't um, and kind of attempt not only like find those problems, but also quantifiably solve them um, and have something to show for your efforts. I think that those um, for me kind of mean a lot more um, than, you know, just, competing in competitive programming. Um, but then again, there's lots of different uh, opinions on this. And I think that the CS community would be quite divided on this topic, but yeah. Got it. Yeah, that is. Okay. And so now like about the activities list on the common app, which people use to file the college applications. So like, do you recommend padding up your applications to like make them seem more impressive? Or do you think admission officers will be able to see right through it? Yeah, so there's multiple ways to make your activities sound better than, you know, they might seem at face value. And I think there's nothing wrong inherently with doing that. But using actions and quantifying impact are very common on resumes um, in industry. Um, and I think the same logic applies to applications as well. Um, anything that helps, helps. Um, at the same time, you don't want to overdo it. And you can ask someone to kind of read over to double check. Um, that makes sure you're not fluffing what you're saying and kind of being succinct while also making it sound nice at the same time. Mm-hmm. And now so I'm going to ask you a question to like, since you obviously did a lot, like you did that meta internship and you did, you created your nonprofit. So do you think those are the only reasons you got into like such a prestigious school, like such as Georgia Tech, or was it because like maybe your letter of recommendations or your essays, your personal statement? Um, yeah, so I think that, like, I, I can't really tell specifically, mm-hmm. um, but I do think that my two extracurriculars, the top ones on my list, kind of had the greatest impact, you know, beyond the academics or whatever. Um, 
because you know having a paid internship at Meta, um, in their AI department and running my own CS nonprofit kind of demonstrated my proficiency in computer science and also my ability for leadership. And I think it made a clear case for why I might be a good candidate for acceptance to the program which I was applying to at Georgia Tech. So in my opinion, I think those are like the major um, um, turning points. Got it. Thank you for all those wonderful responses. All right. So Aditya, since the, call, since the applications for colleges are due by this fall, could you describe to us the process of how you decided which college you wanted to use your early decision, early application, and restricted early action? Yeah. So um, for any colleges where I could apply early action, I did so while keeping my EV commitment. Um, since I was ED into a private school, UPenn, I couldn't REA anywhere. Um, and I do think that EA benefits from most colleges since it demonstrates your interest in the particular school quite well. And as long as you can have the applications for each one ready by the time EA deadlines roll around, I would definitely recommend um, utilizing um, the ability to apply EA. So some schools like uh, University of Chicago, like I've seen on websites like Prep Scholars, that they say that if you apply for early decision for University of Chicago, your chances will increase to like 21%. Do you think these sources are true? I'm not too sure about that. So it kind of depends what you mean by true. Um, I think that- or Are they accurate? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I definitely don't think that they're lying about the statistics which they're um, talking about. But at the same time, a lot of that kind of, um, is a consequence about accepting more like, you know, athletes, legacy applicants and all those. Um, I don't think it constitutes all of the difference because then again, it kind of does not make sense for them to um, have that much of a boost simply because of, you know, some legacy applicants um, or athletes. Um, but then again, I do think that there's a significant boost. I know for Cornell, for example, their um, RD acceptance rate for engineering is 6% or I think now it's about 6%. Um, and their overall, um, not their overall, but rather their ED acceptance rate for engineering is 25, um, which definitely is not because of the, you know, the uh, applicants to have some sort of hook uh, behind them um, in, in full part. Um, but I do think that, you know, applying ED to these schools, which with very large differences in their RD and ED acceptance rates, definitely have an impact on your application. Thank you, Ditya. Okay, Ditya. So you said you ED to UPenn, and UPenn's like mainly known for business, like especially the Warden School. Um, so like, is there a reason why you ED to UPenn? Like, uh, not sh I might have missed this, but do you plan on minoring in business, or was it because like you're applying as a CS major to like a potential boost? Yeah. So ED, um, the ED to UPenn. So first of all, UPenn has multiple different programs which you can apply to. There's different schools which offer different majors. Um, there's a College of Arts and Sciences, there's a College of Engineering, there's Wharton, obviously. Um, there's also selective dual degree programs, which they have. Um, if you've heard of Viper before, or MNT, or I believe Huntsman, um, mm -hmm. they also have their own acceptance rates. Um, and you can ED to the only, only, like those programs specifically. So I chose to ED to the MNT program, which focuses on management technology, with a degree from Wharton and a degree from the Penn School of Engineering. Um, and I was going to probably do computer science in engineering. So, you know, as I had an interest in both business and CS, I believe that it was a good fit for me. And at the same time, you know, the RD acceptance rate for MNT specifically was less than 3%. So I kind of wanted to give myself the best chance for acceptance by applying 
um, early decision. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so now, uh, like we mentioned Cornell, um, like just some time back about their 25% acceptance rate for engineering. So like for computer science, Cornell like offers two colleges. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, the College of Arts and Sciences and the College of Engineering. So like which one do you recommend an applicant who has intended to major in computer science um, actually apply to like have their maximum shot of getting into Cornell? Um, yeah, so I think that the, um, if you're applying ED, then it'll definitely be in your favor to apply to engineering just because of how big the boost is. Um, for arts and sciences, I think that the actual degree difference um, in a Bachelor of Arts versus a Bachelor of Science or a Bachelor of Engineering um, is quite minimal since it's a CS degree. Um, and also the fact that Cornell actually makes it very, very easy for you to uh, switch majors or switch schools after you get accepted. Um, so I would kind of tell you to, for RD purposes, kind of analyze which schools have the highest acceptance rates um, and also then choose to apply to those. Um, at the same time, you don't want to apply to, you know, the School of Hotel Management if you have absolutely no experience in, you know, uh, hearing or whatever. Um, but Cornell makes it very easy to switch between different schools. And the same isn't the case for UPenn and some other um, colleges, but for Cornell it is. So in that case, I would tell you to kind of um, tailor your application or rather like choose whether to apply to arts and sciences versus engineering, um, depending on the acceptance rate. I'm not too familiar with what the acceptance rate is for arts and sciences RD, um, but I would expect that it is, it is higher than engineering. Um, so I would recommend that for RD. Okay, so um, two follow-ups on that. So first you mentioned um, ED to, or not, you're not telling me, but like you're advising, you're recommending ED to like College of Engineering because there's a 25% boost. I naturally thought like since it's College of Engineering, you're going to get like a lot of nerds, quote unquote, who are extremely smart and have like all these sort of competitions. Whereas in College of Arts and Sciences, the competition is a little bit laid back. Um, so like in that case, would you still recommend ED to College of Engineering? Yeah, um, again, I'm not too familiar with the ED acceptance rate for arts and sciences, but engineering has a notoriously high acceptance rate um, for ED. Um, what I will say is that, you know, if you have a top-notch applicant who has gotten into, you know, multiple Olympiads um, and kind of competed at the top level of any sort of STEM field, chances are they aren't necessarily going to um, ED to Cornell, which kind of comes in your favor. Um, so I would recommend taking advantage of the opportunity um, because I know like a lot of uh, kids from my school who applied to Cornell ED did actually get in. Um, I think it's about nine or 10. Um, so kind of anecdotally, I think that it seemed like it would work out for them. And it, I think that it would work out for you as well. Got it. And my second follow-up, so like, where do you find these ED rates for engineering? Because like, I couldn't find them on like the Cornell's website. Yeah. So I think when Cornell um, uh, like was sending promotional emails last year for applicants, I was kind of signed up for those and they sent me an email saying that you should apply ED just because of how large this boost is. Um, I'm not sure if it's published online, but that is something that Cornell sent explicitly. So I would assume that is correct. Got it, thank you. And now one more question before one will ask something. So you may be aware of this fact that top 20 universities, T20s, they allow you to like send in an optional art supplement. So like such as a musical recording, artwork, a drama production, or a performance. So do you think an applicant who possesses such art skills submit one? Since like a couple years back, College Wine um, put out an article saying that an art portfolio can actually 
make your application worse. It can actually make your chances of getting in worse. If your art supplement is not on the level of an average um, art candidate, whereas even if your extracurriculars and SAT scores and GPA is good, if your art supplement is bad, you can actually get rejected. So do you think that's true? Yeah, so um, again, I kind of, I would be inclined to agree with them there in the sense that um, like having an art settlement that kind of is below average would probably not help your application in any way. Um, at the same time, you know, I can't really speak on behalf of that too much because I never actually did instruments or submitted um, the optional art supplement. But, you know, people who I knew in high school, um, specifically someone who was really interested in orchestra to the extent of being involved in the youth symphony, um, submitted hers and she accepted, uh, received acceptances to multiple Ivy League schools. Um, I don't know the, um, you know, the impact of that specific supplement to that um, because of her, you know, overall excellent extracurriculars, but I don't think it actually hurts you if you consider yourself to be above average. And I think that if you've been playing the instrument for, you know, quite a long time, you can gauge that um, skill level quite effectively. Got it. Thank you. Okay, so I have a follow-up question to Jishan's question. So I'm planning on sending an art portfolio which mentions my skill in editing using apps like Premiere Pro, Adobe After Effects, and Photoshop. Do you think this would make me a more versatile candidate? Um, yeah, so I can't, again, I can't really speak on this specifically because I don't have some experience with the um, art supplement, but I do know that, you know, uh, like a lot of my friends that did actually apply with those supplements um, and were involved in an instrument um, did use those programs and softwares to kind of improve their you know quality of music and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I do think that will definitely like not be a detriment and kind of the impact which it has, it's kind of directly correlated with the amount of effort which you put in, which I think you're talking about. Um, so yeah, for sure, I think it would uh, be beneficial. Thank you, Aditya. I have another question. So, so as of now, there are many merit-based scholarships, such as Coca-Cola Scholarship, the National Merit Scholarship, which are mostly based on your PS PSAT score in your junior year. So, do you know any others? Do you know any other scholarships? And when do you think it is the right time to apply to these scholarships? Um, yeah. So I think you named the major ones: the you know, Coca-Cola Scholarship, the NMSQT. Um, the Gates Scholarship is also the Coolidge Scholarship, which, you know, takes into account um, academic qualifications, public service, um, and other, you know, interesting qualities about an applicant. Um, it covers four years of tuition, which I think the Gates Scholarship does, if I'm not mistaken. Um, usually most of these are open during junior year, so I would apply, a, uh, I would recommend applying and learning about these as soon as possible and kind of understanding what each of them um, is looking for. Um, but yeah. Thank you, Aditya. Okay, so like a follow-up on that. So the Coca-Cola scholarship or the Gates scholarship. So like many of those applications open up in the fall of like an applicant's senior year and the results come out like in the spring. And I've seen like people list as one of their awards um, that they're a Coca-Cola semifinalist. So like how are they able to list this when the results come out after college apps? Yeah, so I think um, I, I didn't apply to this Coca-Cola scholarship, but from someone who what uh, did from our, from my school, um, I believe that the semifinalist results come out um, pretty early in the application process. Um, I believe it's like three or four months before um, finalists, and I believe the actual scholars are determined. 
Um, so in the sense where it, like, an, like a result comes after you apply, you can send a what's called a supplemental document to the college, um, which you can send pretty early on, I think in January or February. And I think that if you submit that saying that, you know, you received a finalist status for a certain scholarship, which is considered prestigious, um, they definitely will add that to your application. It kind of has the same impact that other awards would. Um, and they are going to have pro time to process that alongside all your other achievements. Um, so that's what I recommend would, what you would probably be uh, better off doing. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't like advice to like cheat system, right? So like you list your five awards in the common app and then it's in another supplement via email. Um, yeah, no, I don't. Wait, wait, can you repeat that just to make sure I understood the question? Yeah, so like you mentioned the supplemental document. An applicant could theoretically like list their five awards and say if they have more awards that they want to list out, they, they would send like a supplemental document to a college. So like, do you recommend just doing that solely because you have more awards? Or do you only recommend sending the most impactful and meaningful ones? Um, I would recommend, honestly, if you, if you think that it's significant in whatever sense um, of the word, um, you can actually add the awards to the additional information section on the application itself. It's a, instead of a supplemental document, um, this is 650, I believe it's 650 word limit on that. Um, so you have more than enough space to kind of talk about other achievements you've received while not being in the five awards that, you know, like are provided to you by default in the application. Um, but yeah, there's more than enough space to add that on a specific document um, in the common app. But if you get to get an award afterwards, um, after you apply, then of course, you know, you'd have to send a supplemental document to kind of make up for that. But I would definitely recommend um, adding that if you think that it would be meaningful yourself. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay, so Aditya, now for our audience who may be like residing in Georgia, um, you may have heard of like the Georgia Tech's automatic acceptance or admission. So like if you're a valedictorian or a salutatorian in your graduating class, um, you get you automatically gain acceptance to Georgia Tech. So like, um, what's your opinion on this? Okay, so I think that since Georgia Tech is a state school with Georgia taxpayer dollars funding the majority of its operations, um, you know, tuition is... I think in Georgia Tech, one of the highest return on investments um, amongst any school in the country. I think that, you know, except for MIT, Harvey Mudd, and Caltech, um, the amount that the tuition, tuition costs relative to um, how much students make afterwards um, is really, really high. Um, so again, the return on investment is super, super high. Um, and the reason for that is because of the subsidies that Georgia tech receives from the state and thereby from taxpayer dollars. Um, I think that, you know, it's crucial that they have initiatives supporting the top students at their own schools. Um, so, you know, accepting the valedictorians and salutatorians from each of the um, schools within their state would definitely be one of the ways which they can do that kind of ensures diversity. Um, you're getting people from all ports of Georgia being accepted. Um, and also, I think that if it's a private school, I wouldn't be of the same opinion. Just because you know they have their own interests, they don't. They aren't designed to serve the population of the specific state. So, for example, Emory is also in Georgia, but if they had such a program, it wouldn't make too much sense. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my opinion. Got it. And then, so quick follow up on that: since you are out of state applying for Georgia Tech and you're applying to a competitive major like CS, um, the admission rate was like obviously very low. So, like, 
we talked about this earlier in the in the last episode but what do you think that georgia tech like why do you think georgia tech makes their out of state like acceptance rate very low like what makes their program so competitive in nature yeah so i actually applied as an international student um because i'm not a us citizen or permanent resident um but i have lived here for you know 15 years or so um so the acceptance rate for internationals was i think will be even lower than out of state um but yeah, I think that the percentage of in-staters being still a large proportion of the total student body is kind of driven by the fact that it's a state school funded by Georgians, so it kind of has to serve to Georgians first um, and then to everyone else. I think that, you know, UCs are kind of an opposite example of this. They have a very um, relatively small proportion of in-state people um, compared to the overall, which I think they're trying to change now. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like the motivating factor since you know so much of the school is funded by these citizens, they have to kind of tailor their services towards them, which makes sense from a monetary standpoint. Okay, thank you. Okay, Dithya, on to my final question. This question is mainly for med students, including me. So do you believe that getting into a meteor mediocre college isn't something to worry about since there's a possibility of getting to a top 10 med school? Yeah, so again, I'm not a med student. I haven't done too much research on this. Um, but I know um, a couple friends who have siblings who have studied, uh, you know, at T100s um, uh, and kind of gone from there to medical school and, you know, and now earning like 300K plus. Um, so, again, look, it's kind of common knowledge, but the impact of your actual, you know, undergrad is kind of minimal on the medical school that you're actually applying to. Um, again, your actual career prospects. I do think, of course, in order for the for like the purposes of work ethic and kind of understanding what the rigors of college would be, um, you should kind of still aim for, you know, a college that kind of is designed for pre-med students, like, for example, John Hopkins or whatnot. But it's not like, um, you know, it's a necessitating factor in your acceptance to med school. So really, the impact on, I, th I believe, pre-med students' future is quite minimal. Thank you. Good to you. Okay, Ditya. So I have one final question for you, and that's uh, going to be related to the University of California. So like UC Berkeley is like one of the more renowned um, public universities, especially for CS. What do you think? I know you, I'm not sure if you applied to UC Berkeley. But what do you think UC Berkeley like is asking or like really wants since they're, they're like SAT, they're like test blind, they don't even accept letter of recommendation. So like, what do you think they place emphasis the most on? Yeah, so I applied to Berkeley um, as an EECS and business major. If you're familiar with the MEC program at Berkeley, I was mm -hmm. shortlisted for that. Um, I didn't eventually get in, but that's another story entirely. Um, but yeah, I think that I have had, I do know someone from my school who actually had a 3.3 GPA um, and really like bad letters of recommendation. Since they don't take letters of record, that had no impact on his application. And since most of his, I believe, like bad grades were in freshman year, that were also wiped out. So mm -hmm. he eventually got into Berkeley for CS. And what I think they kind of look for is your essays, number one, kind of seeing how much of an interest you've had in the subject, what you're applying to. Um, and that's where they have their own application process completely, to kind of gauge that interest in each of its applicants. Um, so I kind of think that that's kind of where they're coming from. Got it. Thank you. Well, thank you, Aditya. Well, that's it for today for episode seven of Weekly Dose of High School. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to Aditya Prasad speak about his passion for computer science and how he leveraged that in the college admission process. 
Also, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our podcast, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or YouTube. We are on all those platforms, and we upload weekly episodes, so make sure you subscribe so you never miss an upload. Until then, take it easy, guys. Mm-hmm.